1: Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion,
0: Jim Beach.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It is Friday the 9th. February. I hope you're having a great day. Some weekend plans. I hope this week wasn't so bad. Moving forward and getting things done. We've got a fantastic show for you today. We are going to continue our discussion of AI today. We're going to tackle sales with Tom Ryan of BiglySales.com. They are using AI to enhance your sale uh, selling process. After that, Wendy Brookhouse. Has a fascinating take on us entrepreneurs and how we use our biggest asset, our business, and then don't use it as a financial tool well enough. And so Wendy will introduce that idea. We have a great conversation about financial planning for entrepreneurs. Great stuff. And as always, we sure do appreciate you being with us. I had an email And I always love it when you send me emails, please do so at Jim at school for startups.com love to respond to any of your questions or thoughts about the show or anything else. And someone was asking about the economy and what my thoughts were on it. They keep saying so many conflicting messages. We have been told for the longest time that we're going to have a recession and that we're going to have it's just been coming. It's due, right? They keep telling us that. And they've been saying that for three or four years. Of course, we have not had that. What we got was inflation, but the economy continued to grow at the same time. There was still enough consumer spending despite the inflation because of all of the excess COVID money that they had put out there. In other words, the inflation was actually generating the money that it should have to you know, the inflation caused the money was being spent. And so kind of what the plan was anyway, we end up now with our latest GDP figures being 3.6% growth for the last quarter of the year, incredible growth, or I think 2023 is going to end up with 3% growth or something like that, which anyone would be very proud of. But at the same time, the inflation is still, Uh, bad is starting to go down and we're starting to see that rates are going to go down interest rates and so i think we're going to end up with the situation with declining rates declining inflation and good growth during the election which will have interesting consequences there anyway you got a great show we're gonna get started thanks for being with us
1: If you have any questions or comments, or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit, Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show.
2: We are back, and again, thank you so much for being with us. Very excited to introduce my first guest today. His name is Tom Ryan. He is the CEO and founder of Bigly Sales. They use AI to increase your sales. We will learn about that. He has a background in staffing and executive experience at a company called WorkBeast, but he has helped streamline the sales process for this new business. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? I am very well. Thank you. So tell us about Bigly. I love the name. Where did the name come from first? So I'll tell you,
1: uh, we're talking about hacks and and things like that. Um, I went, first off, you got to find a website that isn't taken, which isn't an easy endeavor. So I looked at big sales, huge sales, you know, and I wanted something that people could remember and people could spell and I think they wanted something like a hundred thousand dollars for big sales. Uh, huge sales wasn't available, and I, you know, I was thinking enormous. I'm going. I don't know if anyone can spell enormous, uh, but I put an ly at the end of big, and it was ten bucks instead of a hundred grand.
2: So, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's it is amazing answer. some of the URLs that you can get. I anyway, I don't want to go off on that tangent. All right, so. There's the name. What do you do? Am I right? You use AI to increase sales. Explain more. That's correct. All right, dig in deeper. Sure. We have a
1: scheduling tool where you can use SMS to book appointments uh, 24-7. So if you're running any sort of ad campaigns online, you have forms, things like that, uh, the math is crazy with this. If you respond to a prospect within five minutes, you're about 2,000% more likely to actually close that deal.
2: Define respond. Uh, <clears throat> interact with that person, right? So
1: is that just a text? Call them. I don't
2: want just a randomized text. I ignore those.
1: Oh, sure. But if if you were to fill out a form, right, you go... I need a plumber, right? And you put in their contact form and you fill it out. And then you get a message back from that person a minute or two later. That would be a response because now you're interacting with them and you're going back and forth with them or speaking to them on the phone. So anything that is random, no one wants and is a TCPA violation, right? So uh, no one's going to be doing random texts anymore. No one legitimate is going to be doing random texts. Uh, especially after the new rules go into play in about 12 months. Um, But if you actually respond. Let me push back
2: for just a second here. I just remodeled, so I've been buying the services of lots of plumbers and and a lot of other things on Angie and a lot of some of the other websites. And here's the funny thing. I do that kind of stuff when, at 11 o'clock at night, Yep. Why? Because that's when I get around to doing, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, the rest of the day is kind of busy. And then I get a text at two in the morning saying, Hey, thanks for your interest. And I'm like, you just woke me up, you know, and I didn't need a text. I thought one of my kids had gotten arrested or something, you know, <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. You don't want a text, you know? And so <laughs> that's, I, why you, gotta that, that's why it's got to be immediate. You understand my little dilemma though?
1: Well, yeah, that's that's the whole problem. If if it comes in three hours later, six hours later, three days later, six months later, um, it doesn't work very well. It, it's got to be almost at instantaneous. At nine. Uh, that that's possible as well. But what we're doing is saying if you text someone or fill out a form at eleven, at 1101, you're going to get a response back. Okay. Right when you're still thinking right. about it, yeah, you're yeah. still. On your phone, you're not sleeping. I can see the benefit of that, of course. Yeah, so it's going to be instantaneous, and then it's actually going to be able to just go and talk with you, and actually book you to to what you need to get done. So it'll sound like a person. You know, it's going to be, hey, I'm the plumbing assistant over here. Uh, let's get you booked into your appointment. What do you? Get, what sort of work do you need done? It'll answer any sort of qualification questions that someone may have, right? So maybe you, you know, let's use in that plumbing example, maybe only the homeowner is allowed to hire a plumber. And if it's in an apartment building and someone's renting, um, it's against the, the rules to hire that plumber. So it's gonna ask, hey, do you own your home, right? And you can put in whatever questions you want, you have a six hundred and sixty credit score. Do you, you know? Um, right. Are you over the age of sixty-five? You know. So for anything that someone might be buying, for insurance, for whatever, have you been in any car accidents in the last twelve months? You can put in the questions that you need answered. It can pre-qualify that person and then schedule them into an appointment going back and forth pretty much immediately. And we have that live and working for SMS right now. Um, we also have it for email, but email is much less immediate than SMS. and SMS is much more effective. And we're working on a voice product, which is going to be out in you know the next month or two here.
2: All right. How does AI fit into this, Tom? I don't hear that well, piece yet. Well, it's all
1: AI doing the communication. It's 100% AI. You don't need a human to do it at all. So okay, if you have, um, again, that's the whole immediate part. The reason you're getting the text back at 2 a.m. is there's a human component there, right? The person is seeing it three hours later and texting you back. You know, So as soon as you take that human component out and you automate the entire thing where the AI can do the conversation, The AI can answer the questions, can answer any question about your business, can answer, you know, you can, you can basically feed in all your information in a structured way. The AI will be able to grab that as the main source of truth and answer any question about the business and then book them into an appointment.
2: Okay. So you've now taken it a lot further. Not only can it book the appointment, but it can also tell me how many bedrooms and how many bathrooms there are. A hundred percent. Okay.
1: Yeah, and anything you know, this is this can be for really pretty much any business, right? Can can use this. Any business that deals with customers, has people filling out forms, has people scheduling, has people calling in. You know.
2: Right. All right. Let's go back in time now and talk entrepreneurship. How'd you get the business started or how'd you get the idea? What'd you do first? Walk us through an entrepreneurial history, please.
1: Sure. Uh, so my background was in the staffing industry. I grew up in that industry. My family um, was in the staffing market. Um, so I was really working at staffing since the time I was about 14. You know, before that I was carrying golf bags around on the golf course caddy. And when I was 10 and 11 and, you know, fishing balls out of the woods to go sell on the, on the, you know, 17th hole to make money. <laughs> uh, but you know, as I got a little older, I worked in the staffing industry. Uh,
2: why the 17th for, hole? Do you get busted at the 18th hole? Uh, you'd want
1: to, or it might actually be, you know, sometimes like the 14th or 15th hole, Depend where we were doing it. But We would get them when they were almost out of balls at the end of the day. You'd want to get the guys when they were almost out of balls, but the round wasn't over. Well, you need to hit me on the third hole.
2: What's that? You need to hit me up on the third hole then. I'm running (laughs) out of balls by that point.
1: Yeah. it, It depends on the course, I guess.
2: Okay. So back to your story. Uh,
1: so anyway, um, I grew up in that industry and, um, You know, I ran an outbound call center for years. I ran sales teams for years. I had about 30 sales reps working for me and, um, you know, saw how sales worked at least one aspect of it, um, you know, running an outbound call center, uh, doing B2B. So what I did was we had a CRM there. And I saw most of the CRMs didn't work very well for businesses because you had to do all this manual data entry. And anything that has to be done manually by people is, becomes busy work, and they just don't like to do it. So all this data would get lost, and, and a lot of the CRMs wouldn't work very well for that reason because it's you know garbage in, garbage out. So my initial idea was to put together a CRM That had everything included. All your calls, all your text messages, all your emails, everything in one place, reporting on everything. Management can see what's happening with that. Uh, Nothing gets lost. Um, Any communications that are happening, I mean, God forbid you have four or five reps that do a lot of work on their cell phones and they leave and those text messages all go out the door with them. You know, half the time the clients go out the door with them. They don't know who the clients are, they don't have their their information saved anywhere, you know? So the idea was to fix all those problems and what we found dealing with, um, clients is most of them said, yeah, yeah, that sounds all great. I, I just need leads, right? Can, can you get us leads? And, um, you know, that's kind of where the idea for Bigly was born to
2: when, how provide long ago those was this leads now? and automate
1: that process. Oh, uh, I've been working on Bigly since 2020.
2: Okay. And so what did you do first? Uh, how'd you go about building an AI? Cause you're not, you know, an AI guy doesn't sound right. You're a, Oh, I'm not an AI guy. Yeah, so keep true. going with the story, Tom.
1: Sure. So, um, I found some talented engineers, um, you know, I did do IT staffing for many years. I, I specialized in specialty staffing within IT. So uh, I went out and I found some quality engineers, uh, brought them on board for the team, told them what we wanted to do. And you know, then just kept finding uh, really talented people. Um, once I had some good guys on the team, you know, it's always best getting referrals to other people rather than just going out to the wilderness to try to find them. Um, so I have some good U.S. based resources. I have some good offshore resources, and particularly with the offshore guys, you know, I had a great guy that I hired. I said, "Who else do you know who's really good?" And he gave me the best engineer that he knows. And then I talked to that guy and I said, "Who else do you know that's really good?" And he gave me another guy. You know, so, I was able to build out most of the team that way to do the technical work. Um, right now, I just hired a guy from IIT, which is like MIT over in India with a, an acceptance rate of under 1%.
2: I've actually spoken there seven times, I think, six or seven times. <laughs> wow.
1: That's fabulous. Um, but I I just hired a guy out of IIT. Uh, one of the, the tricks I'll use, I'll go to GitHub and I'll see which repositories have the most stars. And then I'll try to find the people who aren't working at Facebook or Google already, um, you know, on those GitHub repositories and I'll make them offers to come on board. You know, so there's ways to find really good people that are out there. And if you have really good, talented people on the team, um, I think you can accomplish pretty much anything.
2: All right, so how long did it take you to build out an actual product before you could go to market?
1: It took a little over a year to get the initial product live, and the initial product was um, the CRM, right? So that's what I built initially, the ability to send texts, the ability to send emails, the ability to make phone calls, to inbound and outbound phone calls anywhere in the world. So I got all those features up and running and live. And then when I saw what was happening with AI, um, it just became wildly useful pretty much overnight uh, with the LLMs. And we were one of the early adopters. We were uh, the first person to get ChatGPT out of the beta group. Um, we were in the beta group for Claude. Uh, so we started building this literally as soon as it came out right? as soon as it was available to to do any work you know without creating your own models and spending tens of millions of dollars which wasn't feasible
2: and so how much did you spend tom in that first year to get to the point where you could sell something and th- this is none of our business but we still like to ask the question cuz you know we're talking to other entrepreneurs who are going to be building businesses too. What can you tell us about the finances that you're willing to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, to get to launch and to get the product to market and get it out there, um, you know, let's put it this way, mid-six figures. Okay, thank you. That I put into it. So, yeah, I took a lot of money. It was all my own money. I put it in there. I, You know, uh, this is my baby, and, and I fully believe in what we're doing. So.
2: Well, congratulations. All right. So you got ready to launch now. How do you launch? What do you do? How do you get your first sale? Did you do anything? Of course, you did stuff prior to launch to build the anticipation. Talk to us about all the marketing pieces as it leads into the sales.
1: Sure. I mean, so marketing isn't easy.
2: Um <laughs> that's the first thing. You know, I know an AI product that you can use to generate leads.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so you know, the marketing actually took a little bit of time to figure out. Um, we tried doing organic social media. Man, it's hard to get buzz organic. I, I know some guys who've been successful doing it for like tequila brands and stuff like that where You know, it's a really sexy kind of product. And, um, you know, they were able to get organic. But, you know, I have not been able to crack the organic code. So um, the things that we were doing, we were running a bunch of ads out there. We were running ads on Google. We were running ads on Facebook. Um, The reason that a lot of folks don't just do this themselves is it is difficult to, um, to make these things work right. Uh, there's a lot of fraud out there. There's a lot of click fraud. There's a lot of people who will send fake stuff to your site. Um, I think on Facebook, we found something like 95% of the calls. If we uh, just did a Facebook ad and put a click-to-call link on there, something like 95% of the calls were ghost calls. They were just fake.
2: Wow. So who yeah, is I mean, reading those fake calls, the, the marketing company that you hired.
1: No, 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 no.
2: Well, why would someone bother to call an ad fake 95%? That's a lot of people. <laughs> who the hell has got that kind of time? What's the, what's the game? What's the gig there?
1: Uh, I mean, the gig there is either it's a competing product where they want to blow up your ad budget. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, that definitely happened to us on Google. So uh, I can tell you, I was running on Google and we were spending X amount a day and all of a sudden one day our costs went up 10 X and our leads dropped to zero. And it's like, Oh, someone put a bot on us. And, um, you know, there's ways around this stuff, right? You know, you can put some security tools on there. You can block traffic that's coming from data centers. You can block traffic that is, they're cloned, right? If, if, it, if someone has a cell phone and, a, and you can see it's a Linux operating system instead of a cell phone, you can block it. You can block IP ranges. You can, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do out there. It depends on how sophisticated the actors are that you're dealing with on the other side.
2: So what ended up working? We, we've only talked about the stuff that didn't work. What did work? <laughs> well, I mean, we, we made the ads work. <laughs> oh, okay. so, we, we, you know, we, we did great with the ads.
1: Uh, we just had to, you know, deal with the, you know, you have the positives and the negatives in there, right? So, um, I'll give some tips on creative. Please, uh, the first three seconds are everything. You have to grab someone's attention within three seconds, or you've lost them totally. Uh, you need to make whatever creatives you're doing as interesting as the other stuff that's out there on Facebook or on Instagram or on YouTube. And um, boy, that stuff is pretty interesting. I mean, that, that content is pretty good, right? If, you, if you've ever flipped around on there, you know, whatever you're into, there's people there making really great quality content about that stuff. So if you're doing that, it's got to be as engaging as the other content. It shouldn't look like an ad right away. It's got to grab their attention in the first three to five seconds. Otherwise, they move past you. They've looked at what you're doing, you know, so we started putting a logo on all of our ads first, right? We would do this cool little spinning logo thing and people are like, oh, logo, ad, flip, right? And until we took that off, none of the ads worked. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's...
2: What was the yeah. message in the ad? What is, what is the ad? It didn't matter because or... no one saw
1: it. No one saw it, right? <laughs> they, they, no one would get past the first three seconds so what's critically important is the first three seconds there's a formula for this stuff you need to change the images every three to five seconds you want words written on there as well as spoken um, because a lot of people don't have the sound on when they're using it Um, you know there's a bunch of little tricks like that that you can use but you know you, you need to keep it fresh you need to keep it short uh, you need to have be very engaged and change the the images every you know get every three to five seconds change the images on there and you know in general it's got to look as engaging as the other content um regardless of what the advertisement is for right so,
2: and now, you know. Tom, again, none of our business, but we're absolutely curious. How is the business doing now in terms of sales or number of employees? Or now that you're about four years in, where are we?
1: So, we have approximately 25 employees right now. Um, right now, we have more sales than we can handle, which is a, a high quality problem that we're doing a lot of fulfillment work for folks at the moment Um, so you know we're unbelievably busy every day I have a whole creative team that you know all they do is come up with new advertisements every day and you know uh, we figured out how to deal with all these little pitfalls that I was talking about um, on the security side to make sure things look good and you know the software can now take Any person that is filling out a form or, you know, and qualify them and get them down a specific path to tell them to make a phone call, to schedule an appointment with them and handle all of that work. So, you know, that's busy work that a person doesn't need to handle anymore. And the machine can do 24-7, 365 in any language on Earth.
2: Very cool. And what are what are the primary customer buckets that you're finding? So, you've got a big success with who? Dentists in Tasmania?
1: <laughs> so, that's a great question. We're dealing mostly in the US right now. Uh, honestly, I'm walking with away who? from well,
2: What kind of uh, businesses? So, we're having great
1: success with home services stuff right now, so anyone who is doing pretty much anything you can think of for the home uh roofing uh, kitchens baths walk-in tubs remodeling siding you know anything you know basically high ticket items uh, another one we're doing a ton of work with right now is the legal space right so um a little bit with mass tort uh with people who are arrested criminal um You know, insurance, we're doing a lot of insurance work right now as well. So those are the main areas that I'm dealing with at the moment.
2: Okay. And how long does it take to onboard and get up and running and get this integrated into my processes?
1: Uh, For the AI side, it takes a few days. You know, we can generally do it in under a week. Okay.
2: And what's your goal for the business? Where do you where do you want to be five ten years from now?
1: So my goal for the business is to have this be the de facto standard that people use um, globally. Uh, I would like to have you know millions of calls a day going through the platform and millions of texts a day going through the platform in the next five years, and uh, I think we can get there pretty easily. I hate to use that word easily, but uh you know.
2: Well it goes bigly. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh have you had to raise more money? Are you going are you are you profitable now, cash flow, or what's the fundraising situation look like? I'm expecting to be cash flow positive this quarter. Okay. Oh, but you're still operating out of your pocket? Yeah. Okay. Yep. But it's, I, you have it'd a be wife nice to have, kids, have the whole right? business
1: pay for itself. I do have a wife and kids. Yes.
2: Yeah. I, I'm sure your wife loves you paying. <laughs> I'm sure she loves that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think my wife sees the big picture here. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to build a, a unicorn and, um, you know, not taking outside money if you don't need to, is always the way to go. As soon as you take that outside money, you know you're on a clock and um it can kill you if, if you're not careful so
2: tom i had a wife one time i would come home on friday and she would say so did you pay yourself or did you buy more advertising and always <laughs> invariably and i had bought more advertising and so uh we're divorced we did <laughs> That's that's the next wife Tom, <laughs> um, your story is fascinating, and I cannot wait to see how Bigly continues to grow, and we'd love to have you back in the year and get the update. How do we find out more follow online, hire, all of that stuff, please?
1: Yeah, check out BiglySales.com, and again, if you have a bunch of salespeople or a, a bunch of folks doing data entry follow-up type work and you're not getting back to customers within five minutes uh, you should give us a call send us a text right fill out a form on our website uh, we'll get back to you right away and we will help your business so um, go check out biglysales.com and you know again if you're not getting to your customers immediately uh, that needs to change your sales will go up if you do
2: Tom, thanks for being with us. Great story. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you. Have a great day. And we will be right back.
1: Well, that's
0: a that's a that's a wonderful question, that's so good. Oh my gosh, I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's that's
1: a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer.
0: That's a great question. Oh,
1: that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups
0: Radio.
2: We are back. And again, thank you so very much for being with us. I am very excited to introduce my next guest. Please welcome Wendy Brookhouse to the show. She is the owner of Black Star Wealth. You can find them at blackstarwealth.com. She is known as the ultimate wealth amplifier. She's going to empower our ambitious entrepreneurs to uh, maximize and amplify all of their assets. I think one of her points is that as entrepreneurs, we're not giving our businesses enough credit. And I, that's an interesting play on words there. We are, I'm sorry, Wendy is author of a book called burn your budget, how to spend your way to financial freedom. That's a intriguing title. I can't wait to learn more. She is also the host of the real bottom line podcast. Wendy, welcome. How are you doing?
0: I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I'm super excited to talk to you today.
2: Likewise. Likewise. So, so many places to start. Let's go with the ultimate wealth amplifier. What's that Mm. mean? What are we in? Fill me in. You have a thesis here about us entrepreneurs.
0: I do. Well, the thesis is as business owners, we sometimes don't always look at our business as an asset. And we're not necessarily treating it like an asset to grow, to invest in. We are as entrepreneurs thinking about it like our baby. And so when we look at being an ultimate asset person, I am saying like, let's look at all of your assets. Which ones can we invest in to get the greatest return? And that may be your business.
2: Okay. When you say invest in, what do you mean by that? Does that mean put more of my time into it. What do you mean?
0: No, I mean, I mean more of like, say you have the profits at the end of the day, you have options to decide what you're, how you're going to deploy the profits in your business. You can take them out of your business and you can invest them into a retirement savings plan of some sort. You could buy a real estate venture, buy a business, buy a building, or you could say, you know what? I know that I'm building a business. that's going to actually be sellable in a number of years, and if I invest this money in here into my business, building systems, building process, maybe hiring more people, I can expand the value and the revenue of that that asset.
2: Interesting. So, Wendy, what about the idea of diversification, not all your eggs in one basket?
0: Mm, Totally, totally agree, and it's about figuring out which is the best piece. There comes a time when your business, when it's young, can double, can triple very easily. And then as you get into the groove, you're going to find that you have a regular rate of growth on that. It may not require as much investment at which point now let's diversify. Let's figure out what is the right class of asset that you want to invest in. Is it stocks? Is it uh, into bonds? Is it into real estate? All the different asset classes, building that out depending on your risk tolerance, depending on your time.
2: All right. Very interesting. I I love... The idea, I just want to interject real fast to have a sort of a divergent conversation, Wendy, real fast. You mentioned putting it into other asset classes, stocks, bonds, or real estate. I just want to Mm -hmm. throw in my two cents. I hope people go real estate. I'm just, boy, stocks and bonds. uh, I just think that real estate has more long-term value, both appreciation and income while we own it. Wendy, I'm just really biased on real estate. What are your thoughts?
0: I think it's a great asset class. I think it has its place everywhere. I feel uh, I have recently kind of in the mindset that based on current market rates, current interest rates, current everything, I am biased more towards, say, a multi-unit versus single units just Ooh, because I, I think I it that. diversifies yeah. the risk of more. Yeah. yeah. If we think if you had a four-unit building and one of your tenants uh, stops pain or becomes a pain in the butt and doesn't do what they're supposed to do and rains trouble on you. You only have 25% of your re- revenue at risk versus right, love uh, a single one. It's, it's all, all your eggs in one basket with that one. Yeah, I love that. Oh.
2: I love it. You lose one tenant, you lose 100% of it's single family. I totally get that. For a second yeah. there, I thought you were going to say, given the current value of everything you're going to say that's real estate. I don't know. Just you were going to say something negative or whatever. I was going to Oh. You look back and go, I'm just saying over 30 or 40 years, you know, a lifetime. I'll just point out this. I love my aunt and uncle who started off with, uh, slum lords they were slum. I don't even know how to I was trying yeah. to think Wendy of a nice way of saying it and I, I can't think of a better way they lived and not have been they,
0: best back in their business
2: yeah they lived in a mobile home when they got married and they built one you know very cheap type apartments and things like that and they got to a point where they had about a hundred units under monthly mm. key and now I don't know how many I think they probably own fifty units now, and the three daughters, my cousins, each make eighteen thousand dollars a month, and they own fifty units paid for wow. and those daughters have never done a damn thing. well, that's not true that's I take that back, girls. if you hear it, I take that back. uh some of them have not done much one or two one of them doesn't impress me a uh, wendy and so anyway uh. I love that what I, what I'm really thinking if they hear this is what, uh, they didn't do anything hard. Like their parents went through to suffer the way their parents suffered living in a mobile home and mm. stuff like that. Mm. And so anyway, I just think that yeah, that's did- a great little story to throw out that long, you know, units, once they're paid for, or do they become a nice long-term asset to throw off. Revenue and still usually appreciate if you keep them up. Let's get back to you, though, Wendy. Let's do it. All right. So is there a formula that I know by which I should be putting more money back into the business as opposed to taking it out for our first real estate investment? You said that when the growth becomes predictable, does that mean when it's 20% a year kind of? You know, that's the time. What, what? Help me here.
0: Well, I think it's a little both. So if you're growing predictably, it depends on the structure of the business. If you have a business that's a very cash-hungry business and that each new client you bring in has that either takes more cash to deliver versus less cash to deliver, that can make a big difference in terms of how much disposable cash you have to invest somewhere. And so, but I think, as long as you have a stable, growing business, it's doing what you want to do, valuable, now let's start bringing out your other assets and bringing and bringing them up to speed. And again, like you talked about diversification, I also feel like we need to analyze opportunities on a number of fronts. Like real estate's a great investment. But if you're somebody who need who needs flexible cash or uh, liquidity, it may not be your option. So you have to evaluate all your opportunities on a a number of different elements to make sure it's a good fit for you short-term and long-term.
2: Great point. Great point. And if you buy real estate, people, make sure that it is going to rent well. I can't stress that enough. It should rent 40 weeks a year. Those properties are out there.
0: And I think that's what you said, you know, there are pockets where the deals don't make sense and there's pockets that there's still deals to be had. So it behooves you to um, do your research, figure that out and, um, you know, put the work into it to analyze the deal and bring in the professional help if you need it. Where I see people um, messing up sometimes and it depends on where you are and how things are treated from a tax perspective but the tax jurisdiction I'm in, you can't write off the principal of a mortgage uh, as an expense. So you might be running an operation on a real estate perspective that is um, cash flow neutral with the principal in, but you remove the principal, look at the tax structure that now comes into place, and you may find that you actually are running a negative cash flow. So You have to look at these things from all the angles.
2: Good point. All right, Wendy. Yes. I love the title of your book. It's been out for a while, but can you just give me a minute on burn your budget, how to spend your way to financial freedom? That sounds like uh utopia, the secret type stuff. <laughs> it's a
0: it's you mean, a the mindset more drugs issue? I get to do, the smarter I'll get. Really? It comes down to the fact that the word budget is like the word diet. It's restrictive. It doesn't feel like something you can live with all your life. It's not It's not lifestyle, right? So when we get into a spending plan versus a budget, does that feel different to you, Jim, when I say a spending plan versus a budget?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, a spending right. plan is... You know, I get to go to dinner out mm-hmm. four times this month and I get to spend, uh, $500 on Christmas presents and, uh, that, and I, you know, that kind of,
0: you get, what, let, get to pay the gas look bill. At your language. You get to, right. And that's a really nice way to look at it. You get to now. It doesn't mean that you get to spend everything. We're going to, I believe you establish a, uh, an envelope of spending or an amount. And I like to do it per week. And I like it to be on anything that isn't emotionally driven spending wise. So that would be your groceries. That's your entertainment. That's your eating it. Let's come up with a one number for that particular that covers these categories and have it renew every week. And that way you never get into too much trouble. And, um, all these things that are discretionary spending to some degree. Some weeks are your grocery bill is high. Some weeks the eating out bill is high. This way it, it it can ebb and flow with what's important to you that week, as opposed to saying, "Here are my strict numbers every week, every month for these categories." Now you have to do a whole bunch of mental math all the time and just to say, "Oh my gosh, I spent this much this week. I only have this much this week," versus. Uh, just knowing that you have a pool of money for these categories every seven days.
2: That is a, uh, a good way to look at it. And as long as you remember that you also get to pay for you know, <laughs> one, two thousand <laughs> that also has on be this month, you know, <laughs> um, it's so true. You know, you still have I to like to automate the all those things.
0: Yeah, they're all automated. The amount you can spend per week when you go through the calculations, it's a separate number from all the stuff, your obligations, but automate all your obligations. And that includes your savings for the future, wherever they are, the personal side versus whatever. Have that money coming out of your account automatically, and it will start to accrue in ways you can't imagine. It's so good.
2: I mean, if you think about it, there are a lot of choices that we make during the week. That could mm-hmm. be reframed mentally. I get to buy my son new tennis shoes this week because his feet are growing so fast. And celebrate yeah. that as a, an, oh boy, this is like a treat, which is the way I present it to him. But I can also present it to myself that way.
0: Right. And if you have, are working with a weekly number, as per my suggestion in the book, what it does is it also reduces that stress and anxiety about, oh, can I afford this? Because if, it, if you have still money in that pot left over uh, after you bought your groceries or what have you, yeah, you have it. Go for it. Buy whatever you want. And Tell it gives me- you that uh, freedom to do stuff.
2: Tell me about entrepreneurial couples.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I am part of one, Jim. So that makes it a a very personal story. Uh, There are so many business owners that are are working together as couples and whether, you know, like in my case, I started the business and he joined in because it got busy and I needed some help versus you started it together. It does tend to seem to be that one of the couple starts it and then it and then the potential really shows itself and they need that help on the on whatever skill set the other um the husband or the wife can bring. Uh but yes, communication becomes super, super important with entrepreneurial couples and knowing your lane and having that conversation so you know what lane you're in, what lane they are in, so that you can make sure that you're not kind of dabbling in the other person's place.
2: My very first business, Wendy, was in summer camps and we grew Mm -hmm. to 89 locations all over the world. And we were places like Stanford and MIT and Georgetown and UCLA and SMU and McGill and Cambridge and Oxford and all sorts of, uh, sexy locations. And when we were about three or four years in, we had an Atlanta location here in Emory. I live here in Atlanta. And by that point Mm -hmm. I was married and such. And my wife came to camp to help out one of our opening days and i happened to have the camp director that week was someone who had been there for two or three years had been with us since day one actually and was mm-hmm. one of my best employees one of my good friends who is still one of my best friends now 30 years later and we were doing the day and everything and things were wasn't going great you know and we were working it and my friend came up to me and said either your wife leaves now or I am. Oh, wow. And then that wife, yes. we, um, our biggest issue was, did you pay yourself or did you buy more advertising? What'd you do Friday, honey? You know, that was the question I got when I came home Friday afternoon. And so of course oh, wow. that ended up in a divorce. We were not an entrepreneurial yes. couple. I think that it means a lot of things, Wendy. It also means, you know, is there support at home you know my current mm-hmm. wife is very entrepreneurial and has had several entrepreneurial endeavors but also understands that i'm not going to contribute some months
0: interesting i also find it very helpful in the sense of i have met couples who where one of them isn't necessarily supportive and so for example Hey, uh I have this event to go to. I don't feel like going. My husband's going to say, uh, sorry, that's important, you got to go." Not, "Oh, why are you why are you going out again? Why aren't you staying home with me?" versus, you know what I mean? Like it's so yes. it makes a big difference that support whether you're both in business or not. You need to share the values and understand the effort and work that has to go in, in to build a building a business. It's not for the lighthearted.
2: No especially when you work in the same house nowadays as we all end up working at home. Right? My wife and I worked I worked at home and she went to the office and that was great. And then she came home for COVID and has since stayed here and we've had to redefine the house. Reorient part of it. Had to remodel a part, make it work.
0: Yeah. Did you guys each have to have like you each have your own space now?
2: Yes, I have what's called the office and she has a closet. <laughs> Uh,
0: so you won that game okay
2: uh our closet upstairs is a walk-in closet and we don't have much clothes and so our walk-in closet was half empty and so we made half of the closet her office uh put up paneling behind it so it's got a really great visual online on zoom and stuff you know and uh No, she's as close to in the bedroom as you could be without being in the bedroom. She's in the master suite, you know. But there you go. Bring it that way. Uh no. But that's what we had to do to make it work at our house.
0: Absolutely. I think we have separate spaces, we have separate lanes we play in. We collaborate where necessary. We know when um when we have to consult with each other on certain decisions. Uh, and when we can make our own solo decisions. So we have kind of like a rules of the road established, which makes a huge difference. It's all communication.
2: Wendy, I heard you were willing to play the game, the Quick 10.
0: Woo-hoo, let's do it. Bring him on.
2: Are you willing to accept the wager, the standard wager?
0: Oh, I don't know what the wager is, Jim. What is the wager? It's
2: the bet that everyone else makes.
0: I don't, I still not, I'm not following
2: yeah, you know, the, way, the bet that everyone else makes on the outcome. Every single other guest uh, for hundreds of years has said yes. You're the only person okay. to stall and not say yes. Okay, yes. There you go. Number one, your favorite creativity hack.
0: Go out for a coffee by myself with no electronics.
2: Number two, favorite bootstrapping trick.
0: Go back over everybody who said no or maybe.
2: Number three, name your top passions.
0: Learning new things, connecting people in dots, rugby, music documentaries, and football movies.
2: Number four, the first three steps in starting a business are...
0: Know yourself, do the research, and get all the credit you can.
2: Number five, the best way to get your first real customer is... Ask. Number six, your dreamiest technology is...
0: Anything that's automated...
2: Number seven, best entrepreneurial advice.
0: NFL, no fear of loss.
2: Number eight, worst entrepreneurial mistake.
0: Not getting it in writing.
2: Number nine, favorite entrepreneur and why?
0: Joanna Griffiths, uh, the CEO of Nix. She turned down investors who would not invest or cast any dubiousness when she was pregnant asking for a finance raise. She had a great exit strategy and she looked after the people who helped her get there.
2: Number 10, favorite superhero?
0: Wonder Woman.
2: Great answers. All right. Wendy, while we calculate your score and find out the winner of the wager, tell us how to get in touch with you, Black Star Wealth, Wendy Brookhouse. Follow you online, all of that.
0: Yes. So I'm on LinkedIn. Easy peasy to find me, Wendy Brookhouse. Second thing, if you want to find out the value of your business and pop it into your net worth statement, go to blackstarwealth.com backslash value, and then you can figure it out.
2: Give me a simple standard. I mean, it's five times revenue. I mean, profit. I mean, how much I put into it. I mean, how many years I've been in business. I mean, my shoe (laughs) size.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's a, it's all in relation to your IQ, Jim, but really, it's, um, Zero, it's based on a number. number. <laughs> <laughs> There's two big numbers we have to know. The first number is your EBITDA. We base it on EBITDA. We base it and that, and then we look at your industry, and we look at your score on the eight drivers of value. We're going to give you a score on that, and then what we do is we multiply those together to give you a multiple times your EBITDA to give you a value. And then we show you if you could inc- play. Yeah, go play. And then if you decided you said, oh, I'm ready to take my score up to 80. We're going to show you what your new multiple would be and what your new value could be.
2: Ooh, I want to play that, Wendy. That sounds like
0: fun. You can go play. Black it's like a business eight, eight ball. Value. <laughs> Data eight ball is when, so when important. We children. It tells me everything if I, I, I really wish I had one that would tell me more definitive answers Then try again, but you
2: know, Yep. Uh, I'm just stalling until someone gives us our, Oh, 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 Wendy, I'm so disappointed. I'm so sorry. I just got your score. You got a 94, oh, which no. is an excellent score, but it's a losing score. You have to have a 95 to win. So you owe us a Tesla.
0: I owe you a Tesla. Yes. Okay. Um, I, it's probably on back order, but I'll order it right away.
2: I think demand is down right now. I think there'll probably be better rebates than you imagine, So it should be here soon.
0: I was thinking you didn't say what size that Tesla was because I could probably get you a, like a, a, one of those dinky toy ones, you know?
2: I have a bunch of those. Wendy Brookhouse, the <laughs> Ultimate Wealth Amplifier. Check her out at blackstarwealth.com. Wendy, a lot of fun. Thanks for being with us.
0: Thanks so much. Great to chat with you today.
2: We are out of time, but you know what we do? That's right. We come back tomorrow. Be safe here, everyone. Take care and go make a million dollars. Bye now.